Thanks for listening to the Rebuild, the Seattle Seahawks podcast with me, Rob Statham. I've always thought one of the worst aspects of the NFL is the view of many that basically there's only one way to win. This is what analytics has introduced to the discussion. This is the most efficient thing to do in each scenario. Therefore, this is the only way to play. These are the only decisions you should make. And if you don't, you're going to hear about it on Twitter. If you aren't playing this way, you're doing it wrong. Or in some cases, you're just an out-of-date dinosaur. It also doesn't help that the people who are so invested in this analytical approach are also amongst the most aggressive and, yes, sometimes most obnoxious online and on the internet. And they'll let you know about it if you don't go along with everything that they say. Yet, when I watch the current NFL trend of, for example, going for it more often on fourth down or going for two more often than not, to me, I can't help but feel that it tends not to work as much as it does. I remember watching Ole Miss go for pretty much every fourth down against Alabama last season, not getting any of them and getting absolutely hammered as a consequence. They essentially made life very easy for Alabama. But I don't want to go down this rabbit hole other than to say one of the things the analytics crowd's most vocal about is the preference to throw nearly all of the time and they love to diminish the running game. Maybe it's just because I've grown up in England where we have a national sport where so much variety exists in soccer or football, as we call it. For example, Spain won the World Cup in 2010 playing a very specific short passing game. Four years later, Germany won with an all-action technical approach. Then France won in 2018 playing another completely different style and system. Last year, my team, England, nearly won its first international tournament since 1966 by being conservative and trying to keep games close. The old saying is, there are different ways to skin a cat, although why anyone would want to do that, I don't know. I think this is true in the NFL. I don't think one size fits all. I think different ways and means can succeed. And we should want that to be the case. If everyone played the same way, making the same decisions, the league would be boring. You want to see a clash of styles. And we do. That's why the San Francisco 49ers were 10 minutes away from a second Super Bowl in three years with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback. They weren't a dynamic passing offense in the slightest. They rushed the passer well, and they have a very creative running attack. That's how they win. Denver won their last Super Bowl not so long ago, playing essentially without a quarterback. Peyton Manning was completely done at that point. He was washed. Brock Osweiler would come in every now and again, but he wasn't moving the needle. Their amazing defense won the day. And let's not forget that Seattle complimented the brilliance of Marshawn Lynch with the Legion of Boom and a point guard quarterback to win their championship. There are different ways to win. And ideally speaking, for me, I would rather win being an absolute bunch of violent arseholes rather than being a finesse passing team. I'm sure many will disagree, and I don't have any issues with that. I'm just telling you my preference. 
If you want to see the Seahawks throw 50 times and try and score 45 points a game, no issue with me. And if the Seahawks did that and they won, I wouldn't care. I just want to see this team win. But if we're talking about how you want to see them win in an ideal dream scenario, I want Seattle to win and I want them to make life miserable for opponents at the same time. I want to be hated and envied in equal measure. I want players like Marchand and Cam Chancellor and Richard Sherman. That's how I would prefer to be. A team that hammers you so much that you don't only lose against Seattle, but you lose next week too because you're battered and bruised. We have a term on the blog, B-A-M-F, BAMF. I won't explain what that acronym stands for because this is a family show, but I don't necessarily want the Seahawks to be a family team, a PG-13 team. And that's why when I went and studied Michael Clemens yesterday from Texas A&M, I immediately wanted him on the team. He just has that look in his eye. The way that he speaks, he looked terrifying after the Aggies lost a game against LSU. On the field, he's a tone-setting leader, and he hammers people on the field. I want that again for the Seahawks. Furthermore, Seattle says they want another Daryl Taylor. Well, Clemens isn't as athletic as Taylor. I think he ran a 4.8540, but he shows flashes that are reminiscent of Taylor. I can well imagine Seattle taking him in the middle rounds if the likes of Jermaine Johnson and other potential Banff simply aren't there at number nine overall. And I don't think he is going to be there at number nine overall. He's going to go earlier than that. But Clemens would be a nice consolation prize later on, or even an added bonus. He could help provide this team with an angry, aggressive edge. And that's what I want. Of course, I also want to see this team find a great young quarterback because you'll need that to win. You will need to pass the ball effectively to win. But I also think you can win running the ball really well and by playing exceptionally on defense and by taking the soul of an opponent. For the last few years, maybe unintentionally, the Seahawks have become quite finesse. Their roster decisions and the way they've constructed the team didn't lend itself to a side that wanted to run the ball and play great defense, as they kept saying. They did lose that physical edge. And I'm afraid to say, rather than provide a physical toughness that I think they hoped they would get, their big keynote addition, Jamal Adams, has provided quite the opposite. The Seahawks this week posting a tweet showing his weekly fashion show more or less sums it up. He has more fabulous outfits than big hits in two seasons. He also has as many shoulder injuries as he does interceptions. Watching Michael Clemens angry as hell after that LSU loss, seething, looking like he was about to turn into Michael Douglas in the film Falling Down, was a stark contrast to Jamal Adams planting a Louis Vuitton coffee cup down on the podium moments after a loss. Imagine spending thousands of dollars to drink coffee and then showing off about it. Anyway, I don't want to be too negative about Adams here. I think Seattle's new scheme is going to be right up his street. I'm actually quite excited to see if they can salvage this trade in some way. 
by using him how he's meant to be used as a forward-thinking, aggressive attack dog who is best at blitzing and flying to the ball carrier. But I don't think he's ever going to be the emotional heart of this team. So let's get some players who can be. I'm heading away on vacation this week, so apologies if things are a little quieter. I will still be writing articles on seahawkstrapblog.com and dropping the old podcast. Who knows, there may even be the odd interview too. If anything big happens, rest assured, we'll be on top of it. When I'm back, it'll be the home straight. Two weeks to go until the draft. I'd encourage everyone to enjoy this period. The 2022 season might not be that fun for Seahawks fans. And it's always more interesting wondering what the Seahawks will do in a draft rather than just having a list of names in front of you with the mystery completely removed. Even if they nail this draft, that is going to be the case. So enjoy it while it lasts. Thank you for listening to The Rebuild, a Seattle Seahawks podcast. Until next time, bye for now.